0: You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, Pete Cox, and with me, I have my man, as always, my right-hand man. You know him as the creator, host of the Raw Sex Podcast on your airwaves every single Friday, as usually scheduled. But it's, of course, my boy, Cousin Damo, Dominique Marks, man. He's here, of course, to break it down here with me again. And, of course, make sure y'all are following the raw sex podcast subscribe check it out my man is doing big things this year you know he's got a new host he's got a big lineup posted this year we have a new co-host so make sure y'all check my man out and show him some love man raw sex podcast usually dropping every friday on spotify apple and all those other podcast providers you can think about man so Here we are back in the place to be with the crew and Damo's going to help me break it down. Just want to again give a shout out to all of the listeners stateside and worldwide for showing us love. Big shout out to everybody who's been showing us love on YouTube lately. We see y'all out there. I've been seeing the episode that we did Damo for Voodoo. The review that we did last year getting a lot of love on YouTube and a lot of comments. So people really seem to like that one. So continue to show Subscribe to the YouTube channel and keep telling people about it, man. Um, We really like the feedback that we're getting from there. So keep on listening and keep us dialed in. Of course, man, we do it here all for you. As we usually say here on The Vault, our motto is hashtag open the vault, hashtag nothing but the classics of MBTC. And today we actually have a bonus segment of car dominoes, drinks and smoke. And this is a particular one I wanted to make sure we hit early in the year because it's a busy year, as you know. We got a lot of ground to cover because of the years that we're covering and the albums that we have on the schedule. But I wanted to make sure that we didn't pass so far into this year that we didn't cover this topic. And this particular topic as it stands is a year, one year. And as you know, we're here in 2021. 25 years ago came the year of 1996. And it was a big year in music, a big year in hip-hop music, a big year in R&B music, a big year for movies and entertainment of pop culture all around. And I wanted to make sure that we did an episode to sort of recap the year because it was massive. And I say that, Damo, I said this on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. And when I was doing the schedule, and this was on November of 2020, looking at the schedule next year for Vault Classic, and it needs to be said, For those of you who aren't old enough or weren't outside to truly appreciate the greatness of the year 1996 brought in music, I really feel sorry for you. It's our job to help you get an appreciation for it. The list is dizzying. Just going through the hip hop albums and then you get to the R&B albums. Mm. Strap up boys and girls. Memory lane will be fun next year on at vault classic hashtag open the vault. And I said that because when I started going through the list again and I'm reminded of this cause I remember this very vividly in my memory. Those of you who listened to the cards, Domino's drinks and smoke in December about uh, the 95 project and how that was the year that really I started to pay attention to hip hop and I really got engrossed into the culture as a junkie, but going into 96, that was sort of an extension listed into that. And I really wanted to get into this domo because at this point, uh, I was finishing up middle school heading into high school that year that was actually heading into my freshman year of high school and uh, this is really the first year that I had like my own money in mass to be able to go out and buy albums so a lot of the albums that you hear about this year on the vault I actually had in my possession so um, big year for hip-hop we talked about you know all the albums that are on the list um, all the things that happened in 96 um, we'll go through that in a minute, but. Just, uh, I gave you a list of some of the albums that came out, just, uh, your immediate memories of some of the stuff that came out that year. Just, you
1: know, just by looking at the list and seeing some of the names and the albums that were on there. Yeah, you, you're correct. I'm. I was looking through the list and like you said, when you sent the list over, I'm like, this is 96. How the hell? Look at this, a bonus episode. Cause <laughs> God, Lee, we had to spend some time on this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I I remember being ready for, I guess when we when we get into it, one of my favorite albums that I was ready for was it was written, mm-hmm. so that was one of the I was like, hey, I can't wait till that come out, I can't wait to hear what Nas did on this one, and then you start looking through the list, you know, I was this is around the time when my mom just started being okay with me listening to rap music. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was at Benjamin Tasker Middle School. I remember she found one of my tapes in elementary. Like, what in the world is this? She broke it, threw it out. I was like, dang, mm-hmm. how you gonna throw my tape out? I'm gonna go buy another one. Right. you heard me. You know there's not but the tapes. Tapes. A and B side.
2: <laughs>
1: flip right. that thing. Oh, hey, when they came out with the cassette, they flip over to the other side without you taking the tape out yeah oh yeah that was love right there oh yeah that, that was major technology back then <laughs> <laughs> oh that was love right there mm-hmm. but um yeah i remember i remember that i was like "Dad, yeah i just started getting into it. i was into it but it was okay for me to listen to it in the house right yeah <laughs> hmm <laughs>
0: That was really the thing is that I think that to me, I still had it was okay for me to listen into the house, but I still kept my headphones on though. And I still mm-hmm. kept my Walkman with me. Yeah. This is really when I started putting on my headphones on the bus and started listening to it on the way home because, you know, that's really the type of I wanted to be able to engross the music as much as I possibly could. Now, just is sort of go into like at the beginning of 96, what type of things that happened as 96 started? Nebraska won its second straight national championship, Um, you know, (laughs) with Tommy Frazier at the beginning of 96 as well. You remember we had the big blizzard, the blizzard of 96, the legendary Mm -hmm. blizzard of 96. And anybody who was on the East coast during that time, anywhere from, I I want to say, shoot, probably as far North as new England, all the way down to, I want to say Virginia, or maybe even parts of North Carolina, remembers how bad that blizzard was i can remember during that time being in middle school at tasker where we were probably out of school i want to say a week almost like a week i want to say it was like Uh, a week but it seemed it
1: it, it was a week it It seemed close and close to uh, a week in a couple of days in a couple of
0: days because and it was like it wasn't just one snowstorm it was like one snowstorm that was big And then it was another, like a little bit of snow that came by and ice come first. Yeah, it did. It Mm -hmm. was ice and then snow, then snow. snow. Yeah. It was so bad. I remember that having to dig my own driveway out, I couldn't remember even at 14. I was like, I've never seen snow like this ever in my life. And looking at that and then remembering a couple of things, one, as an adult now, I truly understand and appreciate what our parents had to go through having to because people still had to go to work and some stuff like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like now as adults, we know it's like just because it's snow don't mean like, oh, you won't be off work. Nah, nah, Mm -hmm. homie, you got to still we still got to get out there and work. But then, too, I made a lot of money. Like Man. I lived in, I lived in my neighborhood. I went me and my boy uh, Chris, my neighbor, one of my best friends, we went around, we actually like did flyers and put them on people's doors, walked up like the snow in knee deep snow, putting them on people's doors, and we got calls from people to his house asking us to come. Like I think I probably made within those two weeks probably like two hundred dollars shoveling snow. Which when like when you're fourteen years old, that's a lot. <laughs> um, also when ninety six, Independence Day came out. Um, you remember how big of a movie that was? That was right there during the Fourth of July weekend because it corresponded with the Independence Day theme. That was a huge, huge movie to us. That was like one of the biggest movies of all time for those of us who were out of that time. I had Will Smith, had Vivica Fox, had Jeff Goldblum. That was a that was a really big movie in '96. The 1996 Summer Olympics that happened right here in the United States in Atlanta was another big thing that happened as well. We know how big and how exciting it was for us to have an Olympic Games back on American soil won the summer Olympic Games at that, and it was happening in Atlanta. Um, and then last but not least, we also remember in 96 that that was the year starting when the Green Bay Packers won their third Super Bowl, um, heading into that next January where they were playing Super Bowl 31. But those are just some of the things that happened. Now, to speak about music-wise, some of the stuff that happened uh, and to reminisce just about how great the year was, in 96 is when you saw the debuts of Jay-Z, Eminem, and Busta all have their solo debut LPs put out during that particular time. Jay-Z with Reasonable Doubt, Eminem with Infinite, and Busta Rhymes with The Coming, which I'll speak about a little bit later on. You also saw during that time period, um this is where the south really started to begin its rise and not just from one place it was new orleans it was memphis it was atlanta it was houston you had a lot of the south starting to really emerge after they had made their mark a couple of years earlier with Outkast. you also saw this time this was when the big budget movie music video started like this was the time when you really started seeing music videos and it seemed like hype williams Directed every big Maybe, mice video. <laughs> it was Everything. either Hype Williams. It was either Hype Williams or Billy Woodruff. Either one of those two were directing. It was like Hype Williams had all the rap videos and Billy Woodruff was doing all the R&B videos, you know. And there were some huge hits that came out that year. This was also the year that the West Coast really took another step in dominance because Tupac had finally come out. He released two big albums during that year including All Lies on Me, which came out in the beginning of 1996. And, of course, this was the year when Tupac was shot and then also killed in Las Vegas in September of 96 while attending the Mike Tyson fight against Bruce Seldon, then was shot on his way to Club 662 in Las Vegas. And um, that was really a big thing that happened because that was really biggest, the number one no, thing no. that that people were talking about, the biggest thing that had to happen. But in the meanwhile, there were a lot of things that happened in between then. We talk a lot about the hip-hop albums, Damo, and you go through the hip-hop albums. You talk about that It Was Written, the Reasonable Doubts, the Scores, the All Eyes on Me's, the Iron Man's, the Muddy Waters from Red Man, the Mob Deep's Hell on Earth, Machiavelli. Like, those are just some of the ones, but then you start getting into the other ones that are not quite of classic material, but ones who are pretty solid. The Bahamadia's collages, getting into... Foxy Brown's Il Nana, Na. Other albums such as J.Ru the Damager, Wrath of the Math, Seeing uh, Razzcast, Soul on Ice. All these albums sort of coming. So you had not only classic albums, but then you had albums that were a step below that where that were still really quality. The other thing that I also wanted to talk about is that it wasn't just rap albums. It was R&B albums too. Like this to me, I think during 96 is when you got to a point where you looked at R&B. And to me, I think this is where R and B started to take that next step outside of from the generation of R and B singers that are we first knew, such as like Whitney Houston and Anita Baker, transitioning through En Vogue's to Boys to Men to Jodeci, but then starting to get into the totals, um, seeing Aaliyah really start to emerge, seeing Tony Braxton's take a step up, Blackstreet taking a step up. If you want to talk about the bangers that they had for the for the for the rap albums, the R and B music was almost just as good if not even possibly bigger and better than hip hop in 96, which makes that even crazier.
1: I used to be listening to the R&B mm-hmm. more than I listened to the, like if you, if you snatched my headphones off of me mm-hmm. more times than not, it was the r and It was the Donald Jones where I want to be was on heavy rotation. Like I probably had to buy a second CD that year. Cause I scratched, mm-hmm. <laughs> scratch that money up. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it was big because a lot of big R&B albums came out during that year, and I remember during the 20th anniversary of 96, I followed Ninth uh, Wonder on Facebook, and Ninth Wonder had like a collage of all the different album covers, and he said... 96, he said, what well, some of y'all will never understand is how big of a year this was for us who were either outside or around. Somewhat similar to what I said. He said, but these are just the rap albums. I didn't even get into the RB albums later. Uh, if you look at a lot of the charts from 96, what you'll see on the top of those charts is a lot of Tony Braxton. I'm talking about the Billboard Hot 100, a lot of Tony Braxton, a lot of Aaliyah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you see a lot of the, like on the top of the Billboard 100. And uh, a lot of Black Street. <laughs> I mean, you saw a lot of really key music being made during this time. You get into these, like, debates on Twitter. You see people say, what's the best year in hip-hop? People will say, the older heads will say 1988. And it's definitely a case to be made for that. You'll see 93. You'll see 94. But to me... I'll say that, uh, you know, not really being outside during 88, I can see the importance of so many different albums that came out during that time. But for me to 96, that's in my generation, I think our best year because of not just the albums that came out. And I said it wasn't just classics. It was the ones that were step below classics, how great they were. It's sort of like a basketball bench, right? You have a great start in five. But then it's like you could put in the man six through nine on the bench and it not really be that big of a drop off from the start five that they can get their rest on the bench. That's to me like what the lineup is of these albums are during 96. And I put this out to the group beforehand to talk about as far as the albums that you listen to, what were the ones that you looked forward to the most, your most anticipated the one that surprised you the most, and the one that was your biggest disappointment. So I'll actually go ahead and start. And what, as far as Damo, you mentioned the couple. What to you was the most your most anticipated album heading in? You said it was it was written, but why was that your most anticipated one? If that was, or if it was something different, let us know what it was.
1: Oh no, it definitely was it was written because you know I wanted to see you know you heard of the sophomore slump, mm-hmm. that second album if it's going to be as good as the first. So I'm like, all right, let's see what you let's see what you got. You know what I'm saying? We got Jay Z that came out with reasonable doubt. So now he pushing, pushing the buttons to see who right up there at the top mm-hmm. among the elitist. Kinda like how uh now when Kendrick and J. Cole started popping. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was like mm-hmm. the same his album dropped. All right, so now what you going to do? Mm-hmm. So back then, it was Jay-Z and Nas. So Nas had Illmatic, then Jay-Z came with reasonable doubt. So now you're like, all right. And At this time, Biggie's still alive, so you looking at, all right, so who about to push, try to push Biggie out the way? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we're like, all right. So it was written. That's what I was looking forward to. Yeah. And it didn't disappoint. Yeah, no, definitely not.
0: Um, To me... I looked at, it was written, and I really got siced for after uh, the single came out with If I Ruled the World, because it was oh, yeah. him and it was Lauren Hill. We want to mm-hmm. talk about two people that have very big 1996s. The Fugees and Lauren Hill had a huge 1996, because huge. they had a classic album that came out. Nas had a huge 1996, because he had a classic album that came out, and then you put the two of them together with Nas and Lauren. They were label mates because they were both on Columbia. But then when they took the, took the, you know, the song, the the, the sample from the Curtis blow song. And uh, also the, the chorus. And the fact that Lauren was hot as fish grease during that time. I mean, she was everything that she touched was golden during that time. Started really a period when she became a dominant force in music, not just in hip hop and R and B, but in music. And it was almost like a golden touch. You get to the album of it was written and then you find out and it was like, yo, this is actually not even one of the best songs on this album. It's You know, so I definitely feel that. My most anticipated album, I'll actually give you two. One of them was Busta Rhymes The Coming, which came out actually in earlier that year, I believe in March of 1996. The reason why it was anticipated to me is because we all knew Buster Rhymes from being a part of leaders of the new school, also doing all the features, every feature you would hear him on, but you mm-hmm. never, he had never had a solo project. This was his first solo project when he first came out with that. Woo. Ha. I got you all in the check. Mm-hmm. And I was like, a, that was a crazy music video and it got you pumped. to come up for his album. The album came out and I wasn't disappointed at all. It was just like, yo, this is solid. Then you kind of got a feeling as far as what Buster Rhymes could do by himself without having to have a whole just a feature or anything else. It really gave you that introduction of what he could do just as a solo artist. The other anticipated album for me, and it's related, was actually Tribe
2: My rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.
0: And that was anticipated for me because it had been almost three years since Tribe had put out an album, and you wanted more from them. Like, after you get the low-end theory, and then you had Midnight Marauders, it's like, yo, they were on a streak, and they were, they were definitely killing it at that time. They took a break to sort of pursue some projects, but then eventually when you saw that this album was going to come out, It was like, yo, another Tribe album, Pat, it's coming out. Like, you already know this is going to be it, and you get it. And to me, it was anticipated, and I wasn't disappointed per se, um, but in retrospect, there are some things when we get into that review later on this year that I'll share about Beats, Rhymes, and Life that's felt a little bit different, but it was anticipated nonetheless. So, anticipated. A lot of the albums were anticipated during that time, and uh, that's just our personal favorites of what we had. Now Gee, we're gonna you
1: get it people too if you was gonna yeah. say I could give them two. You already knew I was gonna come back with Mob Deep. Yeah. Well. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. And so and so why and so why Mob Deep? Why Mob Deep for you? You already you already know how I feel about Mob Deep. If y'all yeah. listen to the vote, y'all know how I feel yeah. about Mob Deep. So and back then, the th- the crazy thing about that that we didn't that you didn't touch on about back then is. The anticipation of albums was high back then because we had magazines. So when you flipping through magazines, you seeing release dates. It's not not like now where you might not even know who the top artists, you know who when they coming out because they got promo. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they coming out and they think it's going to be big on Spotify, big on Apple, right there in the front. But back then... All the middle out people that you would say B B plus artists, yeah, lower lower A artists, mm-hmm. lower. You gonna catch their albums in the magazine, so you are gonna know their release date. Like, yeah. oh shit, July twenty fifth. Yeah. Oh, that's gonna come up. So going through the magazine, you reading the album, you reading the critiques of the album before it come out. So I'm like, oh, Mob Deep ought to come with a banger. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was ready. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and F Y E. Yeah, <laughs> and and the thing about that album is that
0: that album didn't really have a like, like a big single. Like the infamous had two singles. They had Survival of the Fittest and also Shook Ones Part Two, mm-hmm. which both had, which both were singles, but then also had music videos. I don't really remember Hell on Earth having singles or things that were played on the mm-hmm. radio or even yeah. music videos. Like mm-hmm. I think there was G O D Godfather Part Three, but that was it. Other mm-hmm. than that, though. The hype from this mainly came from, as you said, being seeing those ads in the magazines and the source and the word up and then things like that. And then also this sort of speaks to the big label phenomenon back then, because this was the time when major labels had budgets and they put budgets into marketing their artists. We also used to watch the box. And we would Mm -hmm. see the promos for new albums coming out on the box, too. Like labels had money and they put it into marketing. So you said the anticipation used to be through the roof, especially if it was an artist that had a large following. People would be like, oh, shit, this album's coming out. And then you mess around and get the source and you see that reminder in the source, that full page ad or go in the back of the source. You see all the album promos like the quarter pages and you see four different promos for four
1: different albums. Right. And then you didn't even have to buy the magazine. You would go to the 711 and just read and flip, right? and flip through the back and see what's coming out. Oh, and hey, you got to buy. You got to buy. Hold on, man. I'm trying to see. Hey, what man, just hold up, man. I Look, like I got man, the slurpee I'll right buy. here. Walk around, buy some, <laughs> grab some candy, flip it through until you. see. okay, that one first that one comes on, on november 1st that one mm-hmm. comes out july oh yeah I, I, are you gonna buy nah i ain't buying that yeah and <laughs> hey, you know what there was a magazine store and a comic book
0: store in buoy and marketplace that i used to always go to and preview the source before i bought that joint yeah you know? like it was a place i used to go over a marketplace mall and go do that Now you were right, man, the the anticipation was definitely bigger because we consumed through magazines and through watching music videos. And when we saw the, the promos on the television, that's when it got us hyped for it. Like, you know, we didn't have the, the internet just really started to get big in 96 and they just started making up like hip hop websites where we could go and consume stuff. But nobody really did that in mass until maybe 97, 98. Those are our two anticipated. You talk about things that you looked out, looked out for now, We'll go into, of course, your biggest surprise—an album that you listened to that you may have not anticipated or may have not been thinking about—that you listened to and it was just like, "Oh shit, this is um, this is fire." So, did you have one of those demo of any of those albums that came out that year that you listened to and was like, "Whoa, this is um, I wasn't expecting this."
1: I would say, "Reasonable Doubt." Mm, okay, right? that's a good
0: one. <laughs> that is a good
1: one because I really, you know, because. Not too many features, for real. You called him, like, maybe on uh, on Biggie Jones. But then you really didn't, wasn't too sure. You just heard of him in the magazine. Like, he was coming. He didn't, next one up. Blah, blah, blah. Dude, you got to wait. Dude, who going to have the crown next and all that. So you don't really, you didn't really know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you saw him with Jazzo, and that was it. So you're like, all right, what, what is he going to come with? And, and I heard him on this Biggie Jones, but... Is this about to be, what are you about to give me? So, Reasonable Doubt came I was like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's something to deal with. Yeah. Jay had a line during Hard Knock Life.
0: The line that I can't remember exactly said, I'm my first joint, but y'all all flamed out. And y'all didn't mm-hmm. really appreciate it until the second joint it's came out. Point. You know what I'm saying? I think it's a little bit of originalist history when people talk about Reasonable Doubt. Everybody was not on that back in 96 like folks say that they were. And mm-hmm. I remember because I was outside, like, <laughs> you know, like I was around people who listened to music of my, of my age group.
1: People you know was who not was really,
0: people was not really on Jay-Z at that reasonable doubt at that
1: time when it first came out. Carlton was on it. Oh yeah. Well, Carlton was on it. Like, oh, fuck nah. Gonna... <laughs> Carlton was on reasonable doubt.
0: <laughs> yeah. But that's because we, we used to roll together. So he mm-hmm. used, he used, we used to both listen to reasonable doubt and, I had reasonable doubt within like the first couple of months that it came out and I was on it. And it used to be a regular listen to listen and my Walkman and eventually my disc man uh, when I, when I was around and it wasn't really a lot of people on it. No. And then eventually he started to make a name for himself. And by the time the end of 97 came around, by the time Tupac had been assassinated, Biggie had been assassinated. Jay really had the to, uh, I took the opportunity to really step to the forefront because he saw that there was a void that was missing and he took that opportunity and he ran with it, you know? Mm-hmm. So my biggest surprise during this year, I'm actually going to step away from hip hop and go to R and B album. My biggest surprise in 96 was Aaliyah one in a million. <laughs> and I'll you tell you why Huh I, I was, su- I was surprised at how different it sounded from her previous work. Because you know, Aaliyah made the transition from being produced by R. Kelly to being produced by Timberland. The minute that I kind of knew how different it was, does when you heard the title track "One in a Million. because everybody who listened to that back then, it was almost it was like nothing that you never heard you never heard before. I mean, this the track itself, the beat, the beat, and then the song. It was just like, oh, this is this Aaliyah. <laughs> you know, and it wasn't just the song and the single itself. It was, <laughs> it was getting into the other singles, like four page letter. And if your girl only knew, and then all these songs started popping up off this, tr- this album. And it was like, yo, if it was possible for someone to take someone who already had an immense amount of talent, marketability, and also um, potential and take them to the next level. Timberland did that with her. You know, they, it's like his production took her music to the next level. So what I was surprised is I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, it was Leah, you know, her first joint was straight. You know, I I wonder what this next joint is going to do. And it was literally like, (laughs) what's the, I think what I, what I want to use and I, excuse me for being crass, but imagine being with a girl and you expecting and thinking that, you know, the pussy going to be good, but then you get in and it's even better than you thought it was going to be. That's what it was like for me. It was that's what like listening to that album was like for me. It was like you got a, a expectation your your uh thoughts and your imagination is taking you like this is going to be some nice pussy and then you get in and there's some bomb ass pussy. <laughs> that's really the best way. And I'm sorry for being crass out there for y'all oh, listening, but that's the way it sort of felt for me, you know? Um it really took her music to the next level. And he continued to do that through the other albums that they did and the music that she came out with is like she went from being like a on the cusp of being an ace r&b superstar to being at the top of the game to surpassing everybody who was in her way of her contemporaries that was that's the way it looked i looked at it and now we go from that to the biggest disappointments <laughs> so out of those albums that came out and looking at it what was to you the biggest disappointment <laughs>
1: I'm going to say something funny. Okay. Crucial Conflict. well <laughs> <laughs> the the because Crucial Conflict was like one of the first rap joints that I heard. It was from one of my older cousins. And I was down in Oklahoma. I was like, what in the world is this? He's like, oh, this is Crucial Conflict. So when the album came, I was like, what the fuck is this shit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I might as well just. Throw that behind the TV, because we're never listening to that again. <laughs> hey, I think if Jay was here, he would definitely
0: agree with you, because that nigga Jay hates <laughs> crucial conflict.
1: I'm never listening to that again. I'm like, what happened? What happened to that joke that I heard at my cousin's house? I was like, what the fuck is... I can't get G with this shit. <laughs> no hey, amen
0: but jay hates crucial conflict and the thing is is that these Bammits only had really one major hit in their career mm. in their in their in the lifetime and that was hey that was it mm. and it was a hell of yeah. a hit to have though yeah. because that song was big as hell during that summer during that summer of 96 In middle,
1: middle. Of <laughs> hey
0: definitely gave a lot of historically black college bands an anthem to be able to play. And they used to crank that. They still crank Hayden to this day. And that joint be cranking no matter what band hits that joint. Yeah. So my biggest disappointment, my biggest disappointment was Snoop, the dog father. And it was a big disappointment because by the time that that album came out, this was around the time you can tell that this was being produced when Dre was no longer with, death row the magic was gone <laughs> as much as i hate to say that when i listened to the dog father when it came out the magic that dre and snoop created with doggy style was gone it wasn't the same it was not the same that from you know 187 and the dick in your mouth you know like gin and juice <laughs> what's my motherfucking name like that Snoop doggy dog like that yeah. was it was just it was not it wasn't the same when listening to it it's like you get doggy style which is such an important and not just in west coast hip hop but in hip hop overall you're talking about you could talk to a lot of people and doggy style will be in anybody's top 10 to 20 mm-hmm. if you're talking about hip hop albums all time not just in content but in legacy and influence listening to the dog father though. And it's like, you know, no shade to like DJ Pooh and Daz and uh, you know, all those different producers that worked on dog father. It just like, you got to catch lightning in a bottle. And when you talk about how high the quality was during doggy style to what you got in the dog father dog father, wasn't a bad album, But it was a disappointment considering what you came from. And it wasn't the same because you didn't have that Dr. Dre magic is what got us the phenomenon of Snoop Dogg in the first place. That was really my biggest disappointment. Uh, Another thing that I sort of wanted to speak on is that that summer of 96 was one of the best summers of music that I could remember. And I remember because the soundtracks that were at the cookouts that I went to. And the summer jams that you had during that year in 96 was crazy. Um, One of the biggest songs that I remember during that summer was L.O. Cool J and Total's Lounge in the remix, you know? Mm. That was a huge, hip song during that year. If I Ruled the World was a big track during that summer. You remember this? Ghost Town DJs, my boo. Mm -hmm. I mean, that came out in 96. That was a part of... That So So Def Bass All-Stars, that compilation came out in 96, but that song came out and was a huge hit during the summer of 96. And look at what it spawned. It gave Sierra a top 10 hit when they sampled the joint and that song is now 25 years old and it's just as a big of a jam and a hit now than it was then gina thompson and missy with the things that you do remix with puffy which by the way we talk about remixes puffy like we talk about puffy invented the remix what puffy was king of is taking an r&b song flipping it and then putting a hip-hop twist to it and giving us the remix that we all know and love just an incredible year of music man um Mm -hmm. we we talked about it and just so that you guys know i'm gonna give you an idea of some of these, the albums that we have on our schedule coming from 1996. We haven't covered a 96 album just yet. Uh, we actually have one coming up. I talked to Damo about this on The Vault, and uh, we're going to be doing Total's debut album. We'll be having Tupac's or Eyes on Me, the uh, Fuji's The Score. We'll also be doing uh, Monifa's Moods and Moments. Monifa is another one that we kind of glossed over, but she had a big year that year. Busta Rhymes, to come Coming, we'll be talking about Masterpiece, The Ice Cream Man, UGK's Riding Dirty, uh, De La Soul Stakes is High, It Was Written by Nas, Reasonable Doubt by Jay-Z, we'll have Beach Rhymes in Life by a Tribe Called Quest, Aaliyah, One in a Million, Outcast, AT Aliens, my reggae fans, we have Bounty Killers, My Experience, uh, we also have Illidel Half-Light by The Roots, Blackstreet, Another Level, Tony Braxton's Secrets, <laughs> Machiavelli, The Seven Days Theory, Don Columinati, Lil' Kim Hardcore, 112's debut album, Drew Hill's debut album. <laughs> I mean, I could keep going on and on. It's just some of the ones that we're going to be doing this year, so make sure that y'all stay tuned. What we want to do is, man, make sure that y'all – Hit us up on social media, hit us up on the YouTube channel and Twitter, on IG, and let us know some of the things that you remember from the year of 96. Um, Some of your memories, the songs, the albums, hit us up and let us know, man, this is such an exceptional year in the culture, and it can't really be glossed over. So we're definitely going to cover it in depth and in tune here on the Vault Classic Music Reviews. So hit us up on social media, interact with us, let us know what it is that you think. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you check us out on our host on Red Circle. You can also download, stream, and subscribe to The Vault Classic Music Reviews. If you go to any one of our links in our bio in our social media channels, you'll be able to get to all of our streaming sources and all of our social media sites. You can find us on Instagram on at VaultCMRPodcasts on Twitter at vault classic and on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us by searching the vault classic music reviews podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel, like the Facebook page, connect with us here on social media, interact, leave a comment, show us some love. We love to interact with all of our fans. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend, always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we'd like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate, and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace.
1: Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on
0: Facebook at IV Creative and Instagram at IVECRE8.